to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. Amanda, you'll never guess what happened to me and my oven this week. Uh, did you bake something in it? <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I had baked something in it and it worked perfectly fine. And then Jonathan was cooking dinner and all of a sudden he's like, I've got cauliflower in the oven and it just, it's just warm. It's just not, ha- nothing's happening. And we're like, oh no, oh no. We're kind of wondering if it was, sometimes it would take a long time to preheat and we're just, I don't know what's going on with this oven. So then I'm all like, okay, maybe we just need to buy a new one. And um, yeah, that cauliflower never got hot. We had to go on top of the stove top to, so we could have dinner. And then I'm just freaking out. Like, you know, I take my oven for granted as I'm sure every baker does. And all of a sudden to be like, what am I going to do? But you know what? Jonathan is a star. He um, figured out the issue was whatever contraption that like, lights the the little flame and he just replaced it himself like a star oh that's so nice oh i can only imagine the panic of that you know, <laughs> like as you're telling me this what pops in my head is that song like i can't live if living is without you like i can't live <laughs> like the sounds so devastating that i immediately go to like hair band rock love ballads like just desperation it sounds terrible oh i'm so glad he fixed it for you i know i know i'm i'm feel so thankful and um i my brain was going to like okay well i guess i'll just test desserts that don't need an oven you know like creamy trifly things and but nope back on track although it is like just it's 100 degrees today so that oven's still gonna stay off (laughs) i was imagining you'd have to go to the backyard and get in that pizza oven start baking in there so true so true so true so how are you doing how's your oven (laughs) my my oven is alive and kicking it's it's great so yeah i'm doing really well uh just getting through the last bit of the school year a lot of my friends and other parts of the country are posting up last day of school. I'm like, ah, we still have a month left in California. So wow, yeah, we're we've got a. I guess now when I saw that we had a month left, now we only have a couple of weeks. So just getting through the last bit of this distance learning strangeness, um, but otherwise doing great. Yeah, yeah, baking, having fun, and. Uh, you know, just full transparency for full transparency for our listeners. Sometimes we record these before we talk to a guest. Sometimes we record after. And right now what's on my mind is we just had this incredible conversation about cacao and like my mind is blown. Yes. And I would be very surprised if anybody listens to this and doesn't like really come away with a lot of great thoughts and new information. And I said to you, Jeremiah, I'm like, I'm so excited about this episode because you could look at all the baking podcasts out there, have a listen, and you will not hear this episode anywhere else. It's it's special and it's unique, and it's going to rock your cacao brain. 
<laughs> it so is. It so is. So we're about to talk to Jonas, and Jonas is the owner of a business called Ceremonial Cacao, and that's his website, ceremonialcacao.com, and his Instagram handle is Cacao Ceremony. And so already with those two words, you know that we're going to be talking about cacao in a way that maybe you're not, you've never heard it talked about in terms of ceremony and spirituality. But before we dive into that with him, you're going to learn about cocoa powder, cacao powder, what raw, what raw really means and kind of how the industry has used terms to, um, to sell products versus really communicate the truth about the product. And you're going to learn about how things are grown and processed and health properties, baking properties. It's just, it's full of everything you'd ever want to know about this wonderful product. It's truly wild to scratch the surface on something that you handle, in my case, on pretty much a daily basis. Right. And then go, I don't even know what I've been handling. Like, I, I need to get to know this even more. It's it's exciting. It's a little unnerving. It's, it's um, I think you guys are going to love this one. Jonas, welcome to Flower Hour. It's great to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. So excited to have you and learn hopefully tons about cacao from you today. Uh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so as bakers, chocolate and cacao is a big part of our life, but I think often us bakers don't actually know much about where it comes from, how it's created, how it's processed, and the culture and history around it. We just know it as a bar in the supermarket that we go and choose what we want for what we're baking. And I think this is just going to be so much fun to really deep, deep dive, dive deep. Yeah, that's the word, the phrase, um, into all things cacao. But I wanted to tell everyone about how I got connected to your, to your, um, your products. So one of my very best friends, Emmy Ferguson, who's a musician like I am, she was coming back from Sonoma County and she knows that I bake all the time. Actually, we used to bake together while we were at school together in New York city. And she loves chocolate. Like as when we were at school, honestly, like she would sometimes just sit with a bag of chocolate chips from the grocery store as like her dinner. And, um, I was like, that's so adorable. And now, I mean, Toll House is great, but like, as an adult, we want something a little different. And so she now snacks on your chocolate all the time. And she brought me like a huge care package of your chocolate. And I had never experienced cacao or chocolate like this in my life. It was like so different and so just, I, I don't know, otherworldly. The flavors, I mean, she's mm. like, listen, Jeremiah, they're not very sweet. And, um, and I had no problem with that. And what was cool is all these all these flavors were expressed in like my first taste and I was just totally taken, taken aback. And so I had to send a box to Amanda. So like the, the friend train of giving your chocolate has continued. <laughs> um, and so anyway, that's how I got connected to you. And it's just been a joy to be enjoying your chocolate over, over time. Oh, that's wonderful. I, you know, I didn't know you play music. I, I actually got to know Emmy through playing music. Uh, we used to be in a woodwind, trio and a woodwind quartet together i played the clarinet um what do you play jeremiah i'm a flute player too like emmy oh awesome small, <laughs> small world so so uh woodwind loving cacao lovers <laughs> <laughs> that is right that is right 
So before we learn more about you and your company and what a cacao ceremony is, take us to the earth. Teach us about where and how cacao is grown, how it's harvested and processed. We want to know everything. Uh, So eight years ago, I found myself in Oaxaca, Mexico, in a small village called Tenochtitlan de Valle, and uh, was immersed in this uh, hands-on chocolate-making experience um, after after like a 10-day homestay there. And it wasn't something I had sought out. I knew, I knew there was strong chocolate tradition in Oaxaca. And as a German and as a dark chocolate lover, I, I was stoked about that. But I didn't realize that I would get to make chocolate or that the rabbit hole would be so deep. Um, so I found myself there uh, hand-peeling cacao beans that we had just freshly roasted and realized that I had never thought for a moment about where chocolate comes from or how it's made. Um, and so that was my first hands-on experience with it. Um, by the time cacao is on, is in that stage of being roasted and peeled, um, it's already come quite a long journey. It takes about five months for a cacao pod to grow and mature on a tree. Um, and then as soon as it's ripe, uh, the pods have to be manually harvested and then uh, you open up the pod with a machete and scoop out the beans that are inside. And within 24 hours, you want to put those in a fermentation pile. Um, it, well-fermented cacao usually takes about a week to ferment and then another week or two to dry, depending on the local conditions. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's all happens just to kind of prepare the cacao beans post-harvest. And we haven't even begun the chocolate making processes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you mentioned that the cacao is roasted in the pod and I was curious. So like, what does the roasting look like? Is it just, can you tell us about that a little bit? Um, so it's actually not roasted in the pod. The, the pod is what comes off the tree and that's opened with a machete. And then inside the pod, there's like 30 to 50 cacao beans. And okay. so those are what are scooped out and fermented. And then um, once the fermentation is complete and the drying is complete, then you can roast those beans. Um, And the reason for the fermentation and the drying, that whole process, is that straight out of the pod, cacao doesn't taste like chocolate. It it just kind of tastes bland, like a bean. Um, You would never want to put it in your mouth. It's a seed. Actually, what you want to eat is the, the sticky fruit pulp that's inside the pod and that's coating all the seeds Uh, it's really sugary and delicious it's unlike anything else if you're ever on a cacao farm make sure you eat some of it Um, it goes bad really quick so um, it's it's very hard to experience off of a cacao farm Um, but that sweet sugar also drives the fermentation process so all these bacteria and yeasts actually digest the sugars create an acetic acid ferment which uh, causes the cacao bean to briefly sprout and send in motion all these enzymatic processes that develop the complex flavor or the precursors of of the chocolate flavor. So really the taste of chocolate comes from that fermentation process. And then it gets further activated by the roasting. Um, Roasting is really the stage where you kind of set the flavors that are available to work with later on in the chocolate making process. 
Um, as far as roasting goes, uh, we barrel roast, um, kind of like the closest analogy is coffee roasting. It's, it's similar except that cacao beans are larger, they're more fragile, um, and you roast them at lower temperatures. Is some cacao raw and some cacao's not raw or is all of it roasted? You know, the whole raw chocolate thing is this huge marketing hype that a lot of people are starting to backtrack from. Interesting. Um, partially, you know, really, the, the intention was a good one. The intention was, um, you know, we all know that raw food is healthy, so raw cacao must be healthy, too. Um, but we also know that, like, some stuff actually benefits from processing. Um, you know, really, raw was established for fruits and vegetables, Um, cacao actually doesn't have any water content in it or quite minimal water content. So the temperatures are all completely different. Um, and actually in the fermentation process, a a good ferment will hit like 120 to 125 degrees. Um, the standard for raw is 116. So if somebody tells you that cacao is raw, that, I mean, if, if we're really strictly looking at the standard, then you're telling me that that cacao had a lousy ferment. Um, Uh. but... I also know quite likely that nobody controls their fermentation piles that closely to make sure that it doesn't exceed, you know, a a very defined temperature threshold. So um, just from like how the rule is defined already, it's problematic for cacao. Um, And then furthermore, Uh, If you look at ancient chocolate making tradition, I mean, we are not the first people to eat cacao. Cacao has been around for thousands of years in various cultures. Everybody roasts their cacao. All the indigenous traditions on earth today, they roast their cacao. So um, who are we to kind of be the people who say, no, actually, it's better for you without the roasting and the, the roasting actually really brings something. And it's, it's kind of who breed to, to skip that step and be like any amount of temperature is bad. Um, it's, it's, it's all about the delicacy of the temperature. You know, it's um, in many ways, I see raw cacao as a overreaction to industrial roasting processes, which basically nuke it, you know, it's, it's like French roasting, everything that's one way to uh, achieve uniform output from, you know, crops that really come from all over the place and have been treated in different ways. You just roast it really heavy and then it all kind of tastes the same. Um, so, you know, raw cacao is like, whoa, don't do that to the cacao. But really the truth is more kind of on the artisanal roasting spectrum where people are actually paying attention and bringing out the uniqueness of the cacao. That's so interesting. And again, makes me think a lot about coffee. Yeah. It's, I can see a lot of similarities there. How did, or are there stories about, or history about how these indigenous cultures figured out how, like, why did they want to roast it? And and did they also ferment their chocolate? I'm sure there's, it depends on what culture you're talking about, but can you talk more about how the indigenous cultures interacted with cacao? So uh, most likely indigenous cultures uh, initially began relating with cacao for the cacao fruit, the, the sugary pulp that's inside the pod and that's totally delicious when you open it up um and so most likely uh people were going around and kind of naturally selecting for the pods that produce the most sugar um, because that was the best treat and so over time the cacao trees that people were working with produced more and more sugary pods and that in turn uh most likely enabled uh, alcohol fermentation of that fruit sugar 
Um, and so the first cacao, the first beverages made from cacao were quite likely actually alcoholic drinks. Oh, wow. Um, and I think along that process of fermenting the cacao sugars, uh, somebody discovered that it also changes the flavor of the beans because the, the, the sugars and the pulp, it really sticks to the cacao beans. So probably they just wrote threw the whole thing in a pile and drained off the alcohol. Um, and somebody must've tasted the beans and realized that these beans that really didn't taste great before all of a sudden were beginning to taste like chocolate. Um, and so the, it's, it's a very, you know, chocolate making is such a complex process. You look at it now and it's like, how on earth did we ever come up with this? Um, and it, it was probably a very gradual evolutionary progression of, of working with it. And then, you know, at, at some point people figured out, oh, roasting those beans brings out even more of their flavor. And then, you know, kind of people in, in these ancient cultures were already using uh, stone grinders to grind corn masa and other dishes. So um, it's kind of logical that at some point they would have put the cacao beans on the grinder and discovered that it ground down quite nicely because it has such a high fat content um, and so, so forth. <laughs> So, so interesting. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about cacao and in my mind before this conversation, I was definitely in the mindset that cacao was raw and cocoa was roasted cacao. So now I'm, I'm just dwelling on this question as a baker. What's the difference between cacao powder and cocoa powder? Um, the short answer is that there actually is none and it's, it's all a matter of marketing. Uh, there's incredible confusion about this. Um, but generally, so the tree is Theobroma cacao. That's its Latin name. So that's cacao. And, and generally, uh, kind of the closer to the farm you get, the more you call things cacao instead of cocoa. Um, that's not a hard and fast rule. That's kind of just what I've experienced out in the field. Um, then the more industrially processed something gets, that's kind of where I see cocoa powder, cocoa paste, you know, cocoa nibs, like anywhere in the large scale stuff, somewhere along the way it switches to being called cocoa. And so the whole raw cacao movement is really, you know, trying to recreate that connection to, to source and to origin. And so I think that's where kind of cacao came back as the prevalent term. Um, but really really it's cacao um the whole switching of the o's and the a's uh happened sometime a few hundred years ago um when chocolate came to europe and uh unfortunately cacao sounded rather much like caca and the nobility didn't like that so they they tried to make the word more pleasing um and so they 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 changed some vowels around um, but now everybody's totally confused because really they are the same thing, um, but you see them used in different contexts. This is like mind blowing for me because it's, I've definitely been sucked into this because when I use cacao, I feel very natural and <laughs> <laughs> earthy and wonderful. And then when I use cocoa, I'm like, you know, I feel very um, housewife bakerish. You know, like all the <laughs> things you associate with like American bake sale baking. So uh, this is really good for me to learn. It's so interesting. Totally, a lot of people get confused about that, and uh, yeah, interestingly, I, I think this opens up another another tidbit about cacao powder. So um, what the thing that happens after roasting and when you grind down 
the cacao nibs or the cacao. Well, yeah. So you can do it both ways. You can either remove the shell of the bean first and then roast the nibs, or you can roast the whole bean first and then remove the shell. Either way, you have roasted cacao nibs, which then you grind down. And many people think, oh, cacao powder is ground down cacao nibs, but it's actually not at all. Um, the cacao bean itself is about 50% fat. That's actually the cocoa butter that, um, people know about. Um, and it's, it's kind of immutably mixed in with all the other compounds of the cacao. It's, it's a really beneficial fat. It's, um, I, I'm a huge advocate of actually keeping the two together to really, uh, realize the medicinal properties of cacao because it's kind of the, the carrier fat for all the ways that we know that cacao is healthy. Um, it helps the body absorb it better. Um, so when you grind down cacao, that fat actually melts at body temperature. So just a little bit of grinding, you know, produces friction and that gets that fat to melt. So you go straight from solid chunks of cacao nibs to hundred percent liquid chocolate paste, just through like a single pass grinder. And then that goes through a, a longer refining process to get the cacao smoother and smoother until it has that texture of chocolate. But at no point do we actually get to the cacao powder stage. So where does that come from? Um, you actually take that cacao paste that's being ground down. And so, you know, from this, from this perspective, I would say there's no such thing as cacao powder. There's only cocoa powder because the powder can only be made by this massive industrial process where they take that liquid chocolate and apply like a 50 ton press to it and squeeze out the the cacao butter and and with the mesh they keep the the remainder inside and that's the cocoa butter which then gets hammered to make this really fine powder um so that's actually where cacao powder comes from it's it's actually not even a whole food um the, because all the fat's been separated out from it. So it's, it's actually this pretty industrial process to take cacao, which is an, an 100% pure cacao paste, and then actually separate it into two different products. And then we buy it as raw on the shelf next to dragon fruit powder and, and chia seeds and think, you know, oh, we've got this very natural, raw, simple, earthy product. Yeah. Okay. Mind right, blown. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so valuable. Like all of us bakers definitely take this for granted. And this is so helpful. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's an interesting one because, you know, so many recipes are designed around cacao powder and right. substituting in quality chocolate, which has the cacao butter in it. You, you can't just do a one-to-one substitution because you're adding all that fat in as well. Um, so you have to get a little bit, I mean, it's a great opportunity. I, I, I mean, I think it'd be amazing to see more baking recipes out there using real cacao. Um, but that's, you know, that's when you really get the benefits of the cacao. And I mean, you want that cacao butter in there. It's, it's such good stuff. There's really, you know, in, in like, if you're talking about industrial chocolate bars, what they'll actually do is they'll take the powder and then they'll substitute in other fats like palm oil and different waxes and such you know that's how you get a hershey's bar so it's like the final product you know the experience of chocolate involves some amount of fat and so we might as well have the fat that naturally came with the plant so i have got blocks of like it's 
it was marketed as raw cocoa butter without, you know, it's just the butter. Is that, what is your perspective on that? Is that something that shouldn't be taken away from the chocolate and consumed separately or? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, to me, chocolate is the whole thing. Um, yes. I, I just don't think you can separate it out. I think cacao powder is actually the biggest ripoff because it's it. the byproduct of the process of making cacao butter, which is a really valuable fat. Um, and so, you know, they can sell cacao powder for next to nothing and market it really well. Um, but really what they're going after is a cacao butter, which is used in skincare, it's used in confectionery, you know, that, that gets, um, a, a pretty good price. Um, the thing about cacao butter that is the most challenging is that, because this all comes from a large industrial process, it's really hard to find ethically sourced cacao butter. And there's a lot of people, and I mean, this goes back into the broader chocolate marketing, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to buy fair trade chocolate. And unfortunately, fair trade chocolate really doesn't have the kind of impact that we like to believe. It's it's not the same as the coffee market, for example. Um, so cacao the way that it's traditionally sourced and purchased is a commodity. It's sold on a commodity market. The prices are at historic lows. Um, even, and, and most cacao farmers just like are not making a good living period. Um, so if you add 10% on top of their wages, which theoretically get to the farmer, but in practice rarely do, um, that extra 10% really is, is meaningless, even if it did get to the farmer. Um, the way that the craft chocolate movement has been addressing that is actually by building a completely new chocolate supply chain and circumventing the commodity market altogether. Um, and so to give you it, just a rough numbers, um, in these direct trade relationships, um, farmers are getting 200%, um, of what they would normally get rather than, you know, if, if they normally get hundred percent, they get 110% with fair trade theoretically, buying through this new supply chain, they're getting 200%. And that's that's kind of the level of uh, restoration and healing that needs to happen in the supply chain. It shows you how far off current cacao commodity prices are from actually creating sustainable systems, both for people and for ecosystems um, on the ground in tropical countries. Um, and if you think about it, it actually makes sense because the whole cacao industry is was kind of based off of a model established 500 years ago when um, Europeans came to tropical countries and began exploiting exploiting them for various goods, for sugar cane, for timber. And cacao was one of them, and it was kind of set up under the same model of extraction and profit. And unfortunately, the, the chocolate industry is kind of a dinosaur. Like, it really hasn't changed much. It's highly monopolized by big producers who pay next to nothing for the cacao. Actually, Congress tried to hold some of the largest U.S. producers accountable that there would be no child labor in chocolate. Um, and the companies were unable to prove, um, even a decade later, that they didn't have child labor in their chocolate because of how complex the supply chain is, how little, how, how like, there's just a lack of transparency. They, they really have no connection to what's going off the ground. They're just buying from middlemen, from middlemen, from middlemen. Nobody actually knows where it comes from. And, you know, this is the kind of 
illness that's in our world today where like we just like lack that direct connection to food and lack you know that it's it's like why there's so many problems um why why people are in poverty why rainforest ecosystems are being destroyed and the irony of it all is that cacao is actually one of the best tools for rainforest protection um because when you ferment the cacao properly when you plug it into um a a uh, supply chain that values it more highly um, those prices can actually give cacao farmers some of the best livelihoods in their regions and incentivize them to protect the local ecosystem because cacao uh, grows best in agroforestry systems so they need other trees nearby they need shade they, they they do well when there's many different crops so a farmer can grow all the crops that they need to live and then they can sell their cacao into the market for uh, dollars that they can use to get the other things that they don't need. So that's kind of a big landscape of like, you know, so it's like, why, why don't in general, do I like not, I'm not stoked about cacao butter is because there's no ethically sourced cacao butter feeding into those big, large industrial processes. So I was going to say the, the one, the one caveat is that, um, you know, the supply chain that our company and many other bean to craft comp bean to bar craft chocolate companies have been developing is, you know, they're moving more and more chocolate through them. Um, it's, it's still tiny in the world of global chocolate consumption. Um, but one of the companies recently did their own cacao powder and cacao butter press, um, from, you know, some of the best beans that I know around. Um, and so we, we've only been using that cacao butter because we do use cacao butter to clean out our machines and such. Um, and, and in some recipes we add a tiny bit, um, just to get the right balance of consistency. Um, so it, it is starting to be out there, but by and large, it's, it's really hard to find ethically sourced cacao powder or butter. So as the consumer just of chocolate, not even of the, the separate products, what do you recommend we do to buy ethically sourced chocolate? You know, if fair trade isn't cutting it. Do you look for bean to bar or yeah. like, what are your recommendations? Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely look for bean to bar. Um, basically anything that has like massive distribution is going to be available in like the big grocery stores is, is not bean to bar and it's just not going to be ethical. Like it's, it's like, you have to remember that you're going out into a chocolate landscape where 95% of it is actually uh, a lot of marketing hype and there's very little connection between the brand and the farmers. Um, and the bean to bar chocolate movement is based around redefining that because, you know, it's, it's like one, one of the things that you probably grew up thinking that I grew up thinking, you know, it was kind of all chocolate fundamentally tastes the same. And it's kind of like saying all wine tastes the same. Like there's actually so much nuance in the different cacaos, both based on the processing, but also just in the genetics and the region that it's grown in the terroir. Um, so the bean to bar movement initially it was it's like focusing on on celebrating all these nuances of chocolate and how does Nicaraguan chocolate taste different from Ecuadorian taste different from Tanzanian you know um, there's there's so much diversity to be celebrated there um, and in in the process of seeking all these different origins and working with all these different specialty producers um that's kind of where this ethos around far better cacao sourcing grew up um and that's that's kind of a strong defining thread uh in that movement 
Tell us about your company and your products and your farmers. What, tell us, tell us what you're, what you're up to. Um, sure. So our, we focus on hundred percent cacao exclusively. I think we're the only U S manufacturer that only does hundred percent. Um, and that was born. I, I started off as a bean to bar chocolate manufacturer, making 70% cacaos with cane sugar. Um, then I kind of went through this health crisis in my life and really, you know, did the raw foods thing and, <clears throat> you know, kind of saw what the raw cacao movement was doing. Um, and initially it got me to change my sweeteners and to make darker chocolates. So I went to making 85% dark chocolate bars with coconut sugar. And this is also an interesting tidbit for bakers because, you know, bakers do math, they do recipes. Um, if you look at the percentage of a chocolate, a 70% dark chocolate um, that refers to 70% cacao. And theoretically, if, if it's just like a two ingredient chocolate, the other 30% is sugar. So if you have an 85% chocolate, um, the other 15% of it is sugar. So even though 70 and 85 sound like they're really close to each other on the number line, it's actually like totally different products because one of them has 15% sugar. The other one has 30% sugar, which is twice as much sugar. Um, and we don't, we, we don't think of 70 and 85 as being that different, but it actually has a huge impact on your gut chemistry and how you absorb the cacao because the uh, sugar eating and sugar processing bacteria in our stomach are quite voracious and competitive and they'll quickly outcompete beneficial bacteria that would process substances like cacao. Um, so if we consume too much sugar with our cacao, we actually miss out on the health benefits again. So, um, and that's where 85, like all those studies about health benefits of cacao, they've been done with like 85% and darker chocolate. Um, they haven't been done with like a milk chocolate or like a 70%. So it's, it's kind of, if you're interested in health at all and you're baking, um, that's, it's just so important to know. And so that, that kind of informed um, how I entered the market was with 85% bars and using coconut sugar, which is a low glycemic index sweetener. Um, and you know, to be honest, I struggled in the chocolate bar market because we were doing all of this amazing sourcing and making everything from scratch. How do you communicate that on mm. a little chocolate bar wrapper, um, that's on the shelf with, you know, 19 out of 20 other brands that are not doing the same thing and can instead put their time and energy to marketing. Like you just get drowned out. Um, and since I, since I bootstrapped the whole company, I, I did crowd fundraising from the beginning. I was already kind of building an email list and uh, sharing what I was doing just direct to consumer um, and had a following that way and began experimenting with 100% cacaos because, you know, in the process of chocolate making, the sugar gets added later. It actually refines faster than the cacao. It's, it's softer. Um, and so if you add it at the same time, you would actually have uneven particle size by the end of the grinding process. And that would result in a gummy chocolate. Um, so yeah, I, I was making hundred percent cacaos and increasingly began like, you know, this is pretty good. And I, I had begun melting down my chocolate bars to make chocolate drinks. And they were some of the best chocolate drinks ever because of that cacao butter in them. Um, it makes you can, so the, actually the traditional indigenous chocolate drink is made with hot water. It's not made with milk. 
milk, again, actually inhibits some of the health benefits of chocolate. So I, I think we have hot chocolate completely wrong. Um, and the traditional recipe is, is not milk and cacao powder. It's hot water and kind of whole food cacao. Um, and you can make, you can take that same recipe and use it with like a nut milk or something else that doesn't interfere with the health benefit of cacao. And you can make really creamy, delicious, decadent hot chocolates. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like drinking liquid chocolate mousse. Um, so I have a lot of fun in the chocolate drink world and, yeah, but just began exploring. Um, I made a separate website, began exploring, you know, what if people bought 100% cacao from me? Would there be a market for this? And I was actually completely surprised. Um, it turned out that there was this movement called ceremonial cacao. So this is, these are kind of the three movements that I draw my my uh, inspiration from is uh, the bean to bar movement, the raw cacao movement, just for from the health perspective, and uh, because the bean to bar really doesn't do much with health at all, um, even though their sourcing is excellent. And then the ceremonial cacao, which is all about cacao as ritual, and actually that cacao can alter our states of consciousness in beneficial ways. I mean, we all love chocolate already, um, and but there's like deeper layers of that. Um, cacao really impacts our neurochemistry in a profound way um that's just being studied more extensively now even though we experientially already know a lot about it um and so there's this whole movement of folks who have been replacing coffee with cacao have been drinking cacao been using it for uh, their daily ritual and their own spirituality and i've realized that my 100 percent cacaos were plugging right into that market and people looking for that and that there was actually a big lack of providers of ceremonial cacao is often really hard to get. You had to like get it from the farms in Guatemala or that kind of thing. Um, and so over the course of two years, I completely pivoted my business out of the chocolate bar market and into e-commerce direct to consumer, hundred percent cacaos um, to, to kind of give people a whole new experience of hundred percent cacao because you know, that's, I think the unfortunate thing is that most, uh, most hundred percent cacao that people have been exposed to is actually really poor quality. It's made by chocolate manufacturers that specialize in adding sugar, um, and adding all sorts of other things to their chocolate products. And they make hundred percent because there's a small market for it, but I actually believe there's a huge market for it. Um, based off of what we've been seeing, we actually kept some products with a little bit of coconut sugar around and they just were doing the worst. And so we eventually phased them out because when you're making a chocolate drink, when you're making your own recipes with 100% cacao, you can add whatever sugar you want back in. It's not really something that the manufacturer has to do. And that gives you more autonomy over the health choices and, you know, choosing if honey or xylitol or stevia or cane sugar or, you know, the rap, rapadura. There's so many different choices that people have that people can do that themselves. Now, I can imagine that our listeners, some people are listening and going, cacao ceremony, yes, I'm down with that. I've done it. It's wonderful. And then we've probably got some other people who are listening going, what in the world is this? So can you describe a cacao ceremony for anyone who has zero exposure to that, just ground up? Yeah. Um, and you know, this is, I, I didn't have much experience with cacao ceremony, like 
for four years ago, really. Um, is that right? No, six years ago. Um, you know, ceremony to me was this, this kind of weird concept and I didn't really get it. I, I, I didn't really even like understand prayer or anything like that. And I was just like a very anti coming out of Silicon Valley tech and, you know, designing solar panels and such. Um, but what I realized is that prayer and ceremony is, is, is simply a form of relationship with the world around us. And um, just like we relate with people, we can relate with, with all the rest of the life on the planet. And we can do that with cacao. It turns out, you know, different, different plants, they have spirits and you can communicate with them. Um, and cacao is one of the easiest to communicate one once it's it's actually quite humorous and quite forgiving and quite loving and it's also really delicious um and it makes you feel great so um cacao ceremony is is simply about intentionally relating with cacao and and you might ask like okay i don't have a relationship with cacao how do i get started um really initial it's, it's it's simply in the pause it's pausing to appreciate what you have in your hands. Now that you understand this whole process that the cacao has come to get to you, to, to actually recognize that this is something sacred. Like it's sacred by virtue of this incredibly long relationship that the cacao plant has had with the human species and all the ingenuity and creativity that has fed into cultures and chocolate tr making tradition um, over many hundreds, thousands of years. Um, and rather, and, and that act, it sounds so simple to just pause there and reflect on that as you're looking at the bubbles and the drink and smelling the delicious aroma. But it, it really is so revolutionary because it shifts us out of the consumerist mindset that enables the whole chocolate industry to, um, you know, operate right now. Um, the chocolate industry operates on disconnection. It operates on not knowing who your farmer is. It operates on abusing ecosystems and ex exploiting them rather than choosing to be in relationship and actually make sure that those ecosystems, those people can continue producing cacao for generations to come. And so um, bringing that to the consumer level is really important by by bringing in gratitude and connection with what we're actually uh, about to intake and slowing down the process. So it's not just consume, consume, consume. It's actually like, wow, this thing is special. There's so much relationship that's gone into producing this. And now I get to relate with it. And, and the truth is it really, it really relates with you. Like you take in the cacao. It's not just, about the flavors and it, about the taste. If you if you really sit with it, you'll notice that it actually changes your neurochemistry. And this has been extensively studied. Um, cacao has norepinephrine in it, which is the joy molecule, anandamide, which is the bliss molecule, phenylethylamine, which is commonly referred to as the, the runner's high molecule. It gives you a sense of uh, well-being. There's uh, dopamine and uh, serotonin precursors in there. Um, these all shift your neurochemistry. And not only that, cacao also has the neuroreuptake inhibitors for these same molecules. So it basically keeps all these beneficial molecules that are making you feel good swimming around for longer. 
Um, cacao also has theobromine, which is a cardiac stimulant, not a nervous system stimulant like caffeine is. Um, so it, it does invigorate the body. It, um, theobromine is also a vasodilator, so it actually relaxes the blood vessels and um, helps blood um, and oxygen get to all of your muscle, all of your body tissues more effectively. Um, so it both slightly accelerates the heartbeat and relaxes the blood vessels so the blood can move around easier. Um, so really you're experiencing all these physical changes as you're having cacao. And so, you know, it's, it's with a doubt, without a doubt, it's, you're having this relationship with it. Um, and in that space, you know, people experience creative breakthroughs, people experience epiphanies, people experience, uh, you know, having transformational conversations and relationships that they're in, um, all these things shift because we're taking ourselves out of the hustle bustle. We're bringing in gratitude. Um, the, the health benefits of the cacao really put us in a different state of mind from which we can approach all the situations that we live with day to day in a different way, in a more creative way. Um, and so that's kind of the essence of cacao ceremony and, and why you might want to try it. And you just uh, posted on your Instagram feed a, I think it's an IGTV video on how to make some ceremonial cacao. Isn't that right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see how you can blend it. Yeah. It takes just a little moment to figure it out. And, you know, if if you're not used to 100% cacao, I mean, typically what I see people is like, if, if they have, if I just give them 100% cacao, like, you know, some people might think it's good right off the bat, but a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, that's bitter. You know, as a culture, we're not used to bitters in our food, really. Um, but bitters are also quite beneficial. They're cleansing and they, they can move emotions. Um, so that might be your first reaction. Oftentimes on the second and third time, people are like, oh, yeah, but you know, that chocolate flavor is so rich. It's, it's just like, oh, I it makes me want to try it again. And then the third time it's like, Oh yeah, give me more of that. And, uh, you can always, so it's, you know, it's, it's just like learning to drink alcohol. Like not everybody is like, woohoo, alcohol right off the bit. It's kind of an acquired taste or even coffee. Um, and so hundred percent cacao is, is very much an acquired taste. Um, and you can also add a little bit of sugar. Um, what I find when people add sugar, um, is they can usually, add far less than they think they need. It actually, it's like just a little bit of sugar goes quite a long way with cacao, just enough to take an edge off of bitterness. So, you know, you want to drink it, you want to make it delicious for you. And that's a really important part of the cacao ceremony experience is having something you're just stoked to drink and, and that you want to do a ritual on a regular basis with. Can you tell us too about some of the pairings you've done? For instance, I'm just finishing a bag of your, your tantric rose um, cacao. So that has rose infused into it, but I've also had your, one of the mushroom ones and a maca one. Like, so tell us, can you tell us more about your pairings? Yeah. Um, you know, we all love flavors and what I've realized very quickly is that nobody does hundred percent cacaos with different flavors, uh, different and you know, since people are already coming to cacao for the health benefits, I was really interested in doing pairings with different superfoods. Um, and that's where the ones that you mentioned came out of. I think the, the, the fourth one I have is a spice blend with cinnamon, cayenne, ginger, um, and cardamom in it. Um, so they're, you know, it's, 
you can you can take any of her pure cacaos and go to the moon with it and make your own recipes. It's really, really fun. Um, but the pairings are a great place for, for you to start also just having something instantly ready to go that we blend all the superfoods directly into our cacao. Um, so you can just put the discs in your cup, froth, add the hot water, froth it and have a drink ready. Um, the mushrooms are really amazing. Um, you know, cacao is a vasodilator. I mentioned the theobromine has that effect. So it's actually in my mind, the best way to get medicinal mushrooms in your diet. Um, you know, we all know that mushrooms are extraordinarily good for us. If you can look up the science on Rishi and Chaga and I mean, so many of them are anti-cancer, anti-aging, anti this and this and that, um, stress adaptive and such. Um, but like, how do you eat those regularly if you're not in the habit of brewing mushroom teas? Um, for me, the answer has been putting them in my cacao. Um, and that's, that's very much why we make that blend. And the vasodilator makes sure that all those mushroom uh, compounds get delivered deep into your tissues where your body can really absorb them. Um, so that's, that's the mushroom one. Um, the rose, I, I mean, rose is such an incredible flower. It's, um, it has a very high vibrational energy um, and that paired with the chocolate, which is also quite light and, and alivening. Um, that's why we call it tantric rose blossom. Like my heart literally skips a beat when I'm about to drink a cup of that is it just gets excited. There's, there's something about the energy of that blend that, um, you know, opens me to more love, um, which is a great thing. <laughs> Always down for more love. Yeah. Um, the Oaxacan spice is, is just a very, you know, it's, it's actually not traditional to Oaxaca. Like some of those spices were imported from Asia. Um, but it, it is a nod to my original chocolate making teacher in Oaxaca and, and the different chilies and such that they would use in their cacao recipes. Like the spicy cacao is what they did, uh, in, in uh, both Maya and Aztec traditions, they, they drank it quite spicy. And that's another great way to actually to get, get yourself off of the sugar is to add all these spices in it because it gives your mind something else to focus on than just the bitterness. And that's a great principle. And baking and cooking in general is, you know, your mind needs stuff to focus on. And so you can create these different experiences with the spices. Um and then, yeah, the maca one, um, we just uh, upgraded it, actually. It's, it's called uh, Vibrant Vitality, and it has, uh, it has a huge dose of maca in it. Maca gives you stamina. It's a hormone balancer. It's, it's really a great adaptogen for fighting stress, and, and so is ashwagandha. We have maca and ashwagandha in there, um, and then turmeric and black pepper, which are anti-inflammation. So, um yeah, this just really helps the body adapt to various stressors that we inevitably encounter in the course of our day-to-day lives. Um, and it's also really tasty. I, I just, something about that blend makes me think the most of like a traditional hot chocolate that I would have grown up with, even though it's packed full of superfoods. Now, do you, I, I almost like, I'm not even sure how to ask this question exactly. Cause I feel like the the things that you make are so special and you have kind of like dialed in, um, great ways to use it, but would you recommend people baking with your chocolate or would you say, please just keep it, keep it its own special thing? How do you feel about that? 
I'm uh, totally open to people baking with the chocolate. Like I, you know, my, my, my goal and intention is to just put the best product I can make out there. And I love it when people come up with creative uses for it. Like it's really just a platform, you know, for, for me to pass through all this amazing information I've found about cacao sourcing and cacao processing to get people, you know, just the healthiest, most alive, most integrous cacao product. And then, I mean, yeah, you, you could use it in so many different ways. Like I'm not at all offended when people put sugar into their cacao or that kind of thing, because I know that's perfect for them. And, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I work with a, a professional chef and it's, I, I just, I love the whole culinary tradition and I'm really excited to see people using whole food cacao rather than cacao powder in their recipes. And that's, yeah, we just need a lot more of that. Well, I think we should tailor our flower hour traditional end question for Jonas in a different way. What do you think, Amanda? Absolutely. So we usually ask our, um, who are interviewing, if you could bake for anyone dead or alive, what would you bake and um, who would it be? But if you could have a cacao ceremony with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And then which, what, which of your cacaos would you choose to, to make? Huh. You know, it's, I think it would be my, my grandma on my dad's side. Um, she, she passed away and that was actually one of the impetuses for me jumping into make starting a chocolate business. I, I kind of had explored this hobby of chocolate for two years and, you know, it was kind of teeter tottering on, on committing to the next level. And when she passed away, I, I think it was like within a week or two after I was just like, you know what, I'm doing it. And I, I put down the down payment on some chocolate equipment. And I just had this moment of like, yeah, life is short. And these things that we're passionate about, like they're going to be a dream until I do it. So I might as well do it. Um, and yeah, so she never really got to experience my whole journey with cacao, um, and she loved baking. So it's it, the, all the German Christmas cookies that I grew up with were, were things that she just spent hours and hours in the kitchen creating and is definitely, definitely like a taste of home, you know, for me now. So it, it would be amazing to get to share a cup of cacao with her. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've enjoyed this so much. And I like, I just can't even tell you what a treat it's been to learn from you. And it's, it's an ingredient that I hold in my hands and I stir in my cakes and I stir my cookies and melt and drink and all of this so often to be able to feel like I don't even know anything about it is, is kind of, um, I don't know. It's a little bit like, feels like the rug pulled out from under you in a really good way. Now I just feel really curious to learn even more. Um, so I appreciate that. It's a, it's a big gift to my brain. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, it is, it is just quite the rabbit hole. Um, and it's, it's so good to like have a moment of being kind of humble and being like, wow, I really don't know anything here. And this was like one of my favorite foods, like, wow, time to start learning. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I, and it just feels like Alice, Alice in Wonderland. And it's like <laughs> every, every page I turn, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know about that aspect of cacao. And I don't know about that aspect. 
it's it's just a great industry to be in and, and really great people exploring um you know and in many ways like reclaiming yeah. chocolate like bringing all the life and significance that's in in chocolate back to back to the common person back to all of us to revel in and delight in i think as bakers we have an opportunity to to do that and to help to help um share this mission mission with the people we're baking for yeah absolutely well thank you so much this is like there's so much value here i cannot wait for this episode to just be a part of people's lives and um we just thank you again yeah you're welcome thanks for having me and uh if anybody out there comes up with some great uh baking recipes with whole food cacao i'd love to know so uh, feel free to shoot me a message through the website yeah i will tag you for sure Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. 